Hello, guys. Welcome back to our podcast. This is Paint the Town Dead, and this is half of your host, Caitlin. And I'm the other half. I'm Andrew. Oh, yeah. You, you're that guy. You're the yeah. Andrew guy. And guess what? It's your birthday today. Happy birthday. I'm so excited. I made a funny post on our Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet. I, I haven't because I don't like ever use Instagram, so now I have to. Now you have to. Which is very disappointing. Well, I hope you enjoy it. It comes straight from my heart. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. You're, you sound so excited. Yeah. Another day, another dollar. Not even. <laughs> another day. It's another day. It's just another day. <laughs> it is. The older you get, the less exciting birthdays are. Yeah, it's just like, yep. A birthday. It's a day. But anyways, what's been going on with you? Hmm. What new? has been going on? Uh, Father's Day happened. It did. So I went and visited my grandpa Aww, with my dad. And I don't know. That's kind of hard for him. Yeah, he's Aww. he's doing all right though. Mm. Um, other than that, I'm mostly just wasting my life away. Nice. Um, I I figured out a way to level up a whole bunch on Skyrim very I, quickly. You sent me a video, and I was like, "Holy!" That's not even the thing I was thinking of either. It wasn't the gold rings or the iron daggers. No. Oh, what was it? Tell no, because that that's a normal thing that everybody does. Yeah. Um. I built up my enchantment so much that it doesn't cost any magic to do like alteration or destruction on the armor I was using. Really? So I could easily level up if I use the telekinesis on alteration. Just uh-huh. hit like the R yeah. button or R2, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And grab an object and then just Throw. hold it there. Oh. And it just, as you hold it, it just keeps going up and up and up and up for like really fast really and it's like, so i can just do that so i've like reset i've leveled uh-huh, alteration uh-huh. all the way up and reset it and done that like five times are you serious yeah my mm. life's very boring <laughs> hey that's something new i learned and i've played skyrim a lot so you learn new things every day clearly you haven't played it enough clearly i haven't you're right also i have uh <laughs> i've done just as i predicted i would what? which is um i haven't read harry potter in like over a week what is wrong with you <laughs> i haven't done any of it what is wrong with you i was busy doing the thing on skyrim (laughs) that nobody could possibly care about it took so much time it it does take a while still also this is weird because i usually sit where you're sitting right now for recording yeah it's the better seat it's my birthday i get to use it oh you like that oh i didn't okay it's it's exactly the same okay okay i was like well you can have it i don't mind no that's just a little joke happy birthday i do what i can for you yeah thank you you're welcome for this wonderful gift you're welcome you're very welcome um anyways yeah nothing new here just same old same old trucking along except we go back to full time at work now whoop 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 we'll see how that goes yeah hopefully we all don't perish um anyways yeah wear your masks people yeah don't be a weird baby it's and also make sure like it covers your nose yes, as well. Yes, Goodness gracious! I've seen some people where it just like covers their mouth and it's like. What do you think you're almost doing? there? Yeah, you you okay? Just maybe up- it helps a little bit. Maybe they're mouth breathers, so it does help completely. Who's to say? Yeah, maybe maybe they are. But uh, it's it's just weird to be like, come on, guys. Yeah, you you breathe through your nose too. But it would maybe if they were breathing through their mouths. But if your nose is uncovered, you're just gonna like probably breathe in and out from there. So it's like. Your nose doesn't it that no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. And I've noticed like it depends on where I go. 
like if like certain places I go, there's like half the people are wearing masks. Yeah. And certain places, perhaps uh, towns that are not the town I live in, where it is maybe uh, less people technically, but like nobody's wearing masks. Like walking through the Walmart neighborhood market. It's yeah. Like, I feel like such a weird outsider wearing a mask, but I'm like. Well, when I went to Sam's Club the other day, all the Sam's Club employees were wearing masks, which is awesome. But n- I think I was the only person in there wearing a mask. And we're at a point where, like, you can just get, like, a mask pretty easily yeah. for pretty cheap. Yeah. They're, not, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Even get, like, Old even Navy. I saw an ad on Facebook. Old Navy is selling face masks. You can get five for $12. Even, like, again, well, we've talked about this episodes ago, but, like, even wrestling companies are selling them. And wrestling companies... If anybody doesn't care about the safety of people, it's them. <laughs> it's a wrestling company. It's, it's the world wrestling Straight entertainment. Up them, yeah. So I mean, just just wear the mask. If I need to like post a video, I can. I can do a little in service on how to don and doff a mask. Doff meaning take it off. Learn that. Oh, okay, I thought you're. This nope. is gonna be like oh. what? Yeah. I don't <laughs> what? know. Like <laughs> like a weird terminology for like cleaning properly in no. a medical way it's no. like no dawn is to put it on doff is to take it off okay never, heard, never heard that part yeah i learned that through all this too the the dawn part i got right but then we said the other one i was like what is that is it dawn as in d-a-w-n and that means something else no dot to dawn it up to like dawn to put it on and doff to take it off oh it rhymes dawn on doff off <gasps> doff off doff off <laughs> It's uh, a Doc Ox weird cousin. <laughs> what it was an octopus? Because <laughs> it's Doc Doc Octopus, Doctor Octopus. That's what Doc Ock is. Yeah, but what's an octopus? <laughs> yeah, is that something? <laughs> the world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure out a word that begins with off, like what that can be a doctor of, like an animal off-putting. or something. Doctor off-putting. Doctor off-putting. <laughs> that's that's what they call me. <laughs> And your superpower is being incredibly off putting. Yeah, I'm just like really off putting and awkward. And oh, God. I only shower once a month. <laughs> I'm laughing. I don't hard. believe in deodorant. I'm laughing way too hard at this. It's not that it, funny. It isn't. It's not that funny. Um. Okay. Um, Why don't you? Uh, okay. Because we have a. Ver- this is a very different, very special episode. Yes, it is, guys. This is what we were teasing last week, and I am so stinking excited that you all are privy to be able to hear this. Um, okay, we got our laughs out of the way. This is actually a fairly. It's a pretty serious episode. It's a pretty serious recording. Which is why I'm not involved in most of the rest of the episode. That. <laughs> uh, but. We have been planning this uh, since we talked about it since the, do we? I think it was after the first episode. At, so, and before the second episode. I believe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the second episode was uh, the episode of Casey Woody. And I, I talk about this in the next part, but I think that's definitely the most, that's probably the most emotional episode that we've done so far. I mean, I got, I got choked up a couple times. Morgan Nick's that was one, pretty, or, no, I was yeah. say Morgan Nick, which was, I wasn't there for, but yeah, yeah. I, I could tell you were getting emotional. Yes, I was. It was really sad. But Casey Woody, because because it hit so close to home, and you and I are basically the same age as she would be, and it's just right in your backyard, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, so since after the first episode, uh, I have a friend, uh, the father of a friend of mine 
who is a special agent with, with the FBI, and he was involved with the Casey Woody case. And I was able to interview him about that case. Um, I'm really, really grateful to the Arkansas FBI little, uh, located in Little Rock. Uh, they helped make this happen. And I'm really appreciative to uh, Mr. Jerry Spurgers, um, who uh, is the agent that I interviewed for this. And it was, it was, re- it, I mean, I started getting, I mean, I didn't choke up or anything, but it was really sad, especially coming from a firsthand account of, of this case. It was, it was pretty, I can only imagine how tough it was to experience firsthand. If just talking about it years later, you and I were both like getting emotional about it. Yeah. We, we weren't even involved with it really no, in the not, same way. No, not at all. Not at all. So, um, so yeah, so got to go to, um, the FBI building in Little Rock and interview, uh, Mr. Jerry Spurgers. Um, and thank you to Connor Hagan, who also, helped make this possible, um, and setting all that up. Uh, and, um, yes, I, I, w- I learned a lot from Mr. Jerry as he's known to me. And, um, I hope you guys do too. Um, and we would love to do more cases like this. And I think we probably will in the future. Uh, let us know what you guys think about it. Let us know if you have any questions. Um, if there are specific cases, I know, uh, when I was there, we talked about other cases that we will probably cover in a similar fashion. Um, so I have those, but if there are cases that you can, that come to mind, let me know, let us know, uh, on our Facebook, Twitter, Insta, I mean, email, whatever. Just let us know if there's any cases that you can think of uh, that you'd like for us to, to discuss with them if the FBI was involved. Yeah, that all sounds very interesting. Yeah, so yeah. If so you, if yeah. you don't have anything else, I guess we'll we'll throw, uh, throw it to you. Yeah. In the one true city of Arkansas, one, talking to the FBI. Little Rock. It was a really cool experience. Um, all right, guys, here it is. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, special interview with Special Agent Jerry Spurgers. Thank you. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Paint the Town Dead. This is half of your host, Caitlin. And today we have a very special interview. This is what we talked about in last week's episode. Uh, and I am here with a Mr. Jerry Spurgers, and who is an old friend of mine and the father of an old friend. And we are really excited to talk to him. We're actually going to discuss today uh, probably the most emotional case that we've talked about, which was episode two, Casey Woody. Um, And uh, Mr. Jerry's, he's known to me, uh, kind of, he was involved with that case, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about it. So uh, it's uh, good to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Caitlin. Absolutely. So let's just kind of dive right in. Um, We're going to talk about uh, you. Let's talk about you for a minute. Tell me about yourself, your background with the FBI, how you got involved with the FBI, and all that. Sure. Uh, I'm a special agent with the FBI. Mm -hmm. I've been assigned to the Little Rock Field Office since 1997. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, uh, one of the few that's done that. Uh, (laughs) I was in the Air Force for almost nine years before this. And uh, was inter- I was a military policeman, was interested in law enforcement, uh, hit a time when the FBI was hiring, mm-hmm. and, and it worked out perfect. I actually left the Air Force on a Friday and started the FBI on a Sunday. Wow, they just kind of let you in here, huh? The standards were, <laughs> standards were much lower at that time. Uh, but I came to Little Rock, and I've been able to – I've been – I really consider myself quite fortunate. I'm a violent crime agent. I worked on the entire on the same squad my entire career. Uh, I started off as a street agent, did some forensic work, 
uh, actually became the squad supervisor for seven years. And, and we have a policy that in the seven years you have to move or go back to being a street agent. And they let me go back to my same squad as a street agent. So oh, okay. I've kind of lived a pretty charmed life as far as the FBI is concerned. <laughs> charm life. I've never heard a FBI person say it's a charm <laughs> life. Not that I know many FBI people. but It all depends on where you're stationed. That's okay, yes. And, and we, we love our beautiful state of Arkansas, and that's why we talk about uh, crimes and stuff committed here because it's underrepresented and we want words out about uh, like last week we talked about, no, the week before last, we talked about Morgan Nick, whose mm-hmm. case is still, you know, unsolved. And uh, anyway, so we just want to get the words out there. Okay, so um, let's see. Let's go ahead and just kind of delve right in. We're Again, we're talking about Casey Woody. Um, so why don't you just kind of walk me through your day that day? Tell me, tell me how that day started for you and how it progressed. Sure. And please feel free to interrupt, you know, at any point. In time. Okay. Uh, so on December the 4th, 2002... I was scheduled to have a meeting that day with a with a individual who at the time was an Arkansas State Police investigator, a guy by the name of Carl Bird. Carl uh, is an integral in this case. Yes, he actually yeah. became the sheriff of Faulkner County, mm-hmm. and he's since retired. But that morning at 8 o'clock, I reached out to Carl to, to confirm a meeting. And uh, he said, no, we've actually got something else going, and said, you probably need to come out here. Here was Casey Woody's home. In, in Holland, Arkansas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I responded out that morning, and as he was calling me, I actually received a call from my supervisor here at the office also that was, she didn't, she wasn't aware that I knew, so she was telling me about it, and uh, basically said, we have a missing 12-year-old girl, uh, there's possibly some commuter issues involved, we want you to go to the scene. So I responded, and uh, also with a, with another agent met me out there that worked on our cyber squad. Uh, at that time, we had uh, <clears throat> a violent crime squad that handled actual kidnappings. Mm-hmm. Cyber crime squad did a lot of uh, child pornography and, right, and those right. sort of things. So we responded in, in one of our analysts. Uh, I got to the house, and at that time, of course, Carl Bird was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, individual by the name of Jim Woolley, who mm-hmm. uh, was a Faulkner County Sheriff's mm-hmm. deputy, he was there. Uh, I remember Rick Woody mm-hmm. was there, and, and I'm sure there were some there were some others. Right, right. Uh, made contact with them, and, and they and they kind of gave me the background of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And what at Carl, and I believe that Carl was probably the main one that briefed me, uh, told me that Casey was a 12-year-old girl, mm-hmm. uh, single-parent home. Her, mm-hmm. her mother had been killed a few right, years earlier right. in a traffic accident. Mm-hmm. Her father was a police officer and, mm-hmm. was on, and was on duty that night. So I said, for that reason, Casey was home by herself. Right. It said that she uh, was on the Internet and just give you a little background and I, and I don't know the ages of your listeners but mm-hmm. this was before cell phones right. were real prevalent mm-hmm. a lot of long distance charges and things so the internet was a good way to, to communicate without right right massive long distance chat bills. rooms that's when they kind of popped up absolutely that time. and and casey was an active internet user right her dad was pretty computer savvy mm-hmm. uh had actually you know had the computer located in the middle of the house uh, in, in an open family area anyway they determined when they got there that Casey had been on the let me, let me back up just a second uh, the way Casey was first reported missing was there was an individual that lived there with them individual comes home at night about 10 15 mm-hmm. assumes Casey's in her bedroom doesn't doesn't say anything uh, for some reason about 11 15 to 11 30 um, this is actually December the third yeah uh, he realizes that Casey's not in the house right so she he reaches out to Rick and uh, by 12 24 they've contacted the sheriff's office and said you know Casey's missing from from the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, sheriff's office responds. Of course, you know, it's going to take a little while to get out there. They get there and they uh, find that the uh, recliner in the house is kind of knocked askew, 
and Casey's glasses were either in the recliner or on the floor close to it, and right. one of the lenses was broken, the right. glasses. This was December the 3rd. By the following day, it's going to be snowing, so you get some idea what the temperature's like. Uh, they see that Casey's coats are still in her house, mm-hmm. and her shoes are in the house. Right. And so they're, they're obviously concerned. Right. So anyway, the sheriff's office responds about 1220. They gather this initial information. They contact Carl, who again at that time was a state police investigator. Yes. So I know that like we hear a lot of cases where uh, a child around that age goes missing, and they uh, so when they're reported missing, not so much anymore, but you know. Back probably in the eighties, nineties, then they were a lot of them said, "Oh well, it's probably a runaway. Give it a give it a little time." Was that ever did that thought ever cross y'all's minds? Yes and no. Okay, uh, we responded immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it were Little Rock. One of the great things about Arkansas is a very small, tight knit law enforcement community. Right, and almost everything we do of this nature is a joint investigation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those relationships were established. Just like I said, Carl and I. You know, as soon as he called, and said, "Hey, why don't you come on out here?" Yeah. I didn't really have to call to see, is it okay right. that, that we responded? But to your point also, it really was a very common misconception at that time mm-hmm. that the FBI would not get involved in a missing person case for 24 hours. Yeah. And and kind of fast-forwarding, that's a huge part of this of the aftermath of this case is making that education that, no, you call us immediately. Right. And now we actually have, we all have uh, cell phones that any time mm-hmm. a child is reported missing, it's it's sent to Morgan, us. Morgan, Nick, Amber Alert. Absolutely. Yep. And, and what we'll do, and even if it's not an Amber Alert, sometimes it'll be a missing person that maybe doesn't meet all the qualifications mm-hmm. for a Morgan, Nick Alert. We'll get a call, and we immediately contact who the local officers are and, and find out. And sometimes it is an obvious runaway. Right, right. Um, but this was not the case. Right, right. So y'all saw, you went in there, saw saw some things were askew, and then what happened from there? So uh, we get there, like I said, about, I get the, it's probably about 9 o'clock or so that morning before I get out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the things that are going on simultaneously. Some of the investigators are talking to Casey's family and friends mm-hmm. or classmates at school. Uh, I mentioned that we had a CART examiner that went with us, a computer examiner. Mm-hmm. He actually starts looking at the, the, the phone computer at the time, trying to generate some leads. One of the things that had happened the night before, before we actually got there, is Rick was able to look at the computer and realize that Casey was talking to to someone right right. and i'm not going to mention his name because he was a minor and he's right right but all they knew at the time was he was supposedly a teenage boy from georgia right uh so before i arrived they had actually made contact they being the other investigators had contacted the family in georgia verified that yes he was a legitimate teenager right right and what they related was that that he had that the teenager had been talking to casey starting about 5 45 p.m on the third right. and talk to her until nine forty one. And talk being internet. Chit, yeah, yeah chit chat and exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then at nine forty one her conversations suddenly stop. So the investigators know about this. They're also starting to get information about a guy named David that mm-hmm. she talks to. Mm-hmm. And so and a lot of this it's kind of because it, this is probably one of the fastest moving investigations I ever worked on. It, very quick. And so when you when you start hearing some of these things, I can't honestly tell you who did what at what time right, because right. there's so much going on simultaneously. But like I said, we've got people talking to their friends and we're hearing about this David guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, you know, we're finding out things about Casey because, right. again, with a 12-year-old, you kind of have to rule out that it's not a runaway situation. Right, right. And so we're asking those sort of questions. Uh, our computer analyst that's on scene, who's actually still, he's an agent now still in this office, <laughs> he uh, was he was digging at the computer and he was trying to get information about this David and, and the the teenage boy that mm-hmm. she was talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, I go back and search her, her room, and 
one of the things that kind of kind of plays into it. And, and, and let me, if you don't mind, going off on a, on a sidebar for just a second, because yeah. I catch myself, Caitlin, saying "we" a lot. We is not the FBI. Yeah, we is the Arkansas State Police, the uh, Faulkner County Sheriff's Office, uh, to to a small extent, the Greenbrier Police Department right. because of the case. Uh, Rick's position, and in the Conway Police Department. Mm-hmm. So when I say we, I'm talking all four Everybody. agencies. Uh, and really, I mean, it, it truly was. There was no egos. This was all a, a teamwork sort of thing. But uh, one of the things that I did was go through her room. Mm-hmm. And again, we're still, all we know is this is David. And we're trying to figure out who David might be. And I found a uh, crumpled up piece of paper mm-hmm. that you probably remember, or, or well, when we were kids, I don't know if you guys did or not, but <laughs> but you know they were some kind of little game where you uh-huh. write out you know Jerry Spurgers yeah. loves Wendy Spurgers and you put letters and <laughs> yeah. equals true love and all yep. that stuff. Yep. Well, there was a piece of paper that had Casey Renee Woody loves David Leslie Fagan, mm-hmm. and hold me to that because I get the names. I may go back and forth. Yeah, in the yeah. Of it. yeah. So so now we're thinking, okay, here's a little more information to possibly identify this, this mm-hmm. David Leslie mm-hmm. Fagan. So we've got that. We're going. We're trying to. We're trying to figure out uh, where to go from there. We're, we're, we've got a command post set up at the house that we're getting ready to move to the sheriff's office. Please go. Ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm listening. No, okay. I'm just. Yeah, you're good. Okay, and uh, so we're, we're getting this going. And, uh, and one of the things I really want to brag about uh, with the Conway Police Department guys, the Conway Police Department didn't really have a true at this time a true nexus in the case because mm-hmm. it was out in the county, right? And but because again because of those relationships we had and because those guys are real professionals they kind of just start doing some things on their own just but helping absolutely yeah. and so one of the things they start doing is doing a canvas of local hotel rooms mm-hmm. and i know you're familiar with the area out there mm-hmm. um by what we call the old walmart mm-hmm. at highway 65 <laughs> uh they find a california license plate that's registered to a david leslie Fuller. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And uh, and it's at the Motel Six. Mm-hmm. They make you know they watch for a little bit. They make contact, and, and by now we're getting up close to noon. They make contact with hotel personnel, and they said, "Yeah, this guy Fuller comes in. Uh, he's almost belligerent about having to have internet access." And so we've got some things coming together. We've got this David Leslie Fuller that sounds a whole lot like mm-hmm. David Leslie Fagan from from uh, Faulkner County. And we even said, like, he couldn't pick a better name. Like, it was like DAF. Like, you got you just, you can pick any last name you want. And that was one. Eh. Anyway. The, uh, yeah. Suppose, and I, Steely Dan was not a group that I followed, but my understanding was the Fagan came from the group Steely Dan. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, and there were some other things. Uh, the, I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but uh, when you look at Casey's computer, mm-hmm. this guy David that she's talking to, right. uh, she has a picture of a of a teenage male mm-hmm. with long hair, and that's supposedly David. He's a, he's a younger guy, right. and again, and he is a that's not his name. He is a, 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 an actual person, right? And so that's kind of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. When they get to the hotel and they find out this David Leslie Fuller, he's a if I remember correctly, a fifty five year old male. He, yeah, he's quite a bit. He's not a teenager by no, any means. Absolutely not the same person. But no. there's so many things, and the David Leslie Fagan profile that Casey had Leslie's birthday is January the 18th mm-hmm. the David Leslie Fuller's birthday was January the 18th so by now we're feeling pretty sure right. that, that David Leslie Fuller is our suspect mm-hmm. so again we're, we're getting kind of close to noon by now the Conway Police Department has gone into the hotel they've done an emergency sweep of the room uh, there's no one in the room Fuller's car is still there and again you know that area, but there's restaurants all around. Yeah, there's a Walmart, yeah. and we really kind of thought he had probably gone somewhere on foot close by. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we took steps to disable his vehicle uh, in case he came back and then set up in a room, and the rest of us were just kind of out in the perimeter. And we knew that Fuller we had to, we had to have. Probably, let me backtrack, but just a little bit, probably one of the toughest things that I've done in law enforcement is uh, myself and, a, and an agent that's, that these guys all know that since retired mm-hmm. had to go to Rick. Mm. and tell him, you know, we we know who she's with. Right. At this time, you know, we don't know what's going on. We don't know where. But, again, he's he's the father, uh, just a good guy, and, and, and he's a law enforcement brother on top of that. Right. So we go out, and, again, I know I'm probably kind of going back and forth, but we do that. So at this point in time, we're sitting back, and, and we're really are hopeful that we're going to be able to recover. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to find her because, yeah. again, it's, and, you know, I wasn't into this thing until 9 o'clock. Well, it's noon. It's yeah. three or four hours later. Right. So we're all sitting up doing surveillance. Conway PD, again, takes great initiative. They take the credit card that Fuller used to rent the Motel 6, mm-hmm. and they go uh, do whatever legal procedure to get those records for right, the credit card. Yeah. A part of what they do is find out that he had actually rented a minivan. And I don't remember if it was in Little Rock and Conway, but he remembered he had rented a minivan mm-hmm. here. And so we go back, and in those days there were, there were a couple of levels, there were two different levels of Morgan Nick Alert. The level two, and I don't remember all the criteria, but it was, hey, this is a missing person. But when it went to level one, this is an abducted person. Here's right. a suspect. So we take that information and we put it out. Uh, we upgrade to the Morgan Nick level one alert, mm-hmm. put out the information about the van, because at this point in time, we've got a missing 12-year-old girl. We've right. got a guy that we think probably has her or right. know where she is, and we've got a vehicle. We need the public's help to try to find this vehicle. Absolutely. So we kind of back our surveillance off and i think most of us had gone back to the command post by this time look at uh <clears throat> excuse me at about four forty-five, we get a telephone call that some that a, that a civilian in little rock was behind the van mm-hmm. in little rock so this information comes into me i reached to out to one of our agents and said you know get in touch with little rock pd find the van right and so this is we're all this is kind of a heightened sense of awareness at this point in time it's the best lead we've got all day mm-hmm. and the person called in was was felt in their mind that they had that they were behind the right van about 20 30 minutes into this as we're still looking for the van we get another response back from the credit card company and said oh but he also rented a mini storage unit in conway so about 5 15 uh, i look over at uh, at uh, one of the two of the fbi agents and uh, and one of the Conway detectives and said, "Man, if y'all will just go run that out, right? Because we are thinking that she's in the van down in Little Rock, right? Right. So the detectives or the detective and the and the two agents go to the mini storage unit. Uh, this particular mini storage unit, there actually had people that lived on site in, a, oh, in really? an apartment there. Oh yeah, yeah. Apart- I know. I know. Yep, yeah. know what you're talking about. So the apartment manager there uh, says, "Oh yeah, we remember the guy who came in and he rented you know such and such a unit. Let's go back and check it out." So the two agents and the and the uh, detective and the mini storage operator go back to the end of this mini storage unit, and it's and you all seen mini storage units, you know these long rows. Mm-hmm. Well, this is at the end of the long row, kind of facing in towards another row. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get there and the door is closed, but the latch is open. So the agents open the door and as they start to open the door, as it's coming up, they see the front of a van and hear a single gunshot. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, they do the tactical thing that they should be doing. They you know, throw the door up, they move back and take a position of cover, call for backup. I'm, uh, along with the rest of these guys, or most of the other guys, are still at the sheriff's office, at the command post. 
we all respond out to the scene. Uh, we try to negotiate. We're making, I mean, it's, you know, this front of this door is 30 yards in front of me. Right. And we're taking turns, you know, trying to negotiate. We're, it's kind of hard over the radio to describe the, the, the layout. Right. But you had a kind of a small area where you could actually watch inside that door. And you couldn't really see everything that was going on, but you could see, see the, the mm-hmm. doorway. Uh, we're making plans for the local SWAT team to come out and, and sweep the area. We're trying to negotiate. Uh, it, it starts snowing, and we're all dressed like we are today, you right. know, soft clothes and, yeah. and shoes. Uh, it takes a little while, but the, when the uh, SWAT team is finally able to go inside, uh, they find David Fuller's body on the ground. He's dead, and Casey was uh, in this mini storage unit also, and she'd, she'd been murdered as well. Yeah. So what at what point – during the case, like we talked about, you know, missing missing versus runaway. When did you know that this is this is not a missing? This is not a runaway. You know, and eighteen years later, it's kind of hard to say that with certainty. Right. I think probably about the time we got there, because there was to, just to there, Casey's house. Yes, because yeah. uh, yeah, it was uh, it, there were just so many factors mm-hmm. with her, and and you know, she she wasn't a trouble kid. She everything I read about her when we talked to her friends, she was a yeah. great kid. Yeah. So, you know, not trying to stereotype anything, but not the sort of person you'd think to run away. Right. You know, good home life. Right. Uh, and again, it's cold enough that within 24 hours it's going to snow. Mm-hmm. Her, all her outer gear is there at the house. Her shoes, the, the, the chair being knocked aside, the glasses being broken. I mean, I think we knew from the start. Just right off. Yeah. So um, what? tell me about this case. What, what surprised you from it? What were you not expecting from it? Or what, did you kind of like with that, with the mindset of, kind of knowing what you're getting into you kind of were prepared for anything no uh uh i wouldn't say that i was prepared for anything because we really thought we were going to get her back yeah and and uh, and that's you know when you, when you look at from an objective sort of perspective it was a very good investigation it was Absolutely. handled well everything very but, quick yeah. but at the end of the day you know, we didn't save her yeah and we were there with her yeah. and so that that uh that was tough yeah it was tough um, we learned a lot from it. It made me a lot more, I hate to use the word cynical, but certainly a lot distrusting of people. Right. Absolutely. And I know not to get too personal, but I know. Go like, ahead. Like, that's, that's what if you want to, I just want to answer. If I don't. <laughs> there you go. Like, obviously, you know, Drew and I were, we're good friends and we were basically the same age. Absolutely as Casey. You are. How did, did that cross into your mind at all? I mean, I know, you know, Drew's obviously not female or anything, but. No, but I, I and I hope I don't get myself in trouble for sharing this story. <laughs> but as you know, Drew's you know, is very internet savvy also. Oh, absolutely. And has always been. And I remember a particular situation after this, and, and kind of like theirs, our, I don't know if you remember that old house we lived in at the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. The, the computer was in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and uh, which was the kind of family area. And, right. and uh, we had a joke, and we had the old dial-up line. You'd mm-hmm. roll the line out to hook the mm-hmm. computer up. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I came in one night, and he's uh, on, a, I guess it was a chat. Was the right, term, but he's, right. And I asked him, I said, what is this? And he said, it's about a, it's a there was a series of books, the left behind books. That right, were, uh-huh. And so he's, he said, I'm talking to so, so-and-so, and I don't remember the person's name was. I said, well, who is he? And he said, well, he's uh, such and such from, you know, some of the – and I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, he, he got in trouble for, you know, something you don't know. And, and you know, Drew, yeah. very, very smart guy. Absolutely. But you can be smart and, and, and be naive at the same time. Absolutely. And so it kind of – I probably was a lot harder maybe on them about those sort of things afterwards that than I would have been if I had not, not worked this case. Right. But, I mean – 
I know that you, I remember you talking to, I think maybe one of our classes one time about internet safety and stuff. And, and it, I mean, that's definitely got to be prominent in your mind after this. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. So uh, what, what would you say was the biggest challenge of this case? I know, you know, we talked about it being hard afterwards, but during the proceedings of it, during actual uh, real time, what was the hardest part? Like any investigation and, and, I think probably most of these guys would tell you if you reach the point that you've done what you can do right. and you're just waiting for that next step. Right. And just that that time between noon mm-hmm. and five was about five days long. Yeah. I was I was thinking that, you know, just waiting for all the, the transactions and stuff to come back from the internet. I mean from the internet, from the credit card company and stuff. Right. Um what um obviously this was probably a transformative case for you and a case clearly that has stuck with you and, and many other people um, through the years. But what has stayed with you specifically about this case through the years? Uh, that, that's a fair question. A couple different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing from a, from a professional standpoint, uh, I mentioned that, you know, with it, that time we were divided, and I guess we still are, into a violent crime squad and a cyber crime squad. Right. The cyber, squad, cyber crime squad <laughs> worked a lot of child pornography cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at that time, I'm, not, I'm speaking just as Jerry Spurgers, not the FBI, <laughs> I didn't really agree with that as a, as a wise re- allocation of resources. Right. I mean, there, there's multiple agencies that work those. I'm not minimizing the importance of the, the bad side of child pornography. Right, right. But I didn't really think we ought to be doing that. Yeah. Uh, after getting this case, and, and and I don't know how much if you're going to ask about this, but when we look back to his history, there was some child pornography involved. Right, right. And the light clicked like, oh, that's why you work these cases. Right. And there's a guy that, uh, uh, a guy, another agent that, that's still here that he and I would start off in the squads together. He went to the cyber, scru- cyber crime squad. I got to <laughs> come up with a better name. Uh, and we we did we did presentations in this case multiple times. Yeah. And that was kind of how I always made the introduction is, mm-hmm. you know, these guys do this. They're fantastic. I'm not sure I agreed with the that use of the resources until this happened. And now mm-hmm. I all of a sudden agree, yeah, this is absolutely what we need to be doing. Right. Uh, as far as other changes, uh, it, it just it took away a lot of my uh, innocence is the right word, but it, it, it definitely more cynical. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you said, I mean, y'all probably, I mean, after the, things wrapped up and everything, I mean, you know, found out quite a bit about uh, David Fuller. So what, what, I mean, we talked a little bit about it in our episode, uh, episode two, when we covered this, but what all did you find out about him? The, uh, good question. And it actually kind of goes back to your other part about the challenge. Yeah. Uh, as soon I mean, it's a, again. It was a it was a it was a tough scene, right. uh, and the FBI evidence response team, which mm-hmm. I was a part of, we we processed that crime scene. We processed the hotel room. Mm-hmm. It's probably I don't know, two o'clock at morning or so before we finished up. In fact, I remember us all going to uh, whatever it is, a pancake house, yeah. or waffle well, house, uh-huh. and and and, uh, and having IHOP, whatever it is, and having breakfast. And it was a long, horrible day. Right. But the next morning, we've got to start figuring out first of the victims. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Absolutely, and so we 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 spent a, a, a big challenge. Part of that was getting you know into his records because he had it. He had left in his hotel room. He had all his clothing, and one of the reasons we thought he was coming back, right. his clothing was there, and his laptop computer was there. Uh-huh. So we've got a laptop computer there. We've got Casey's from her house right. or, or the family computer, and then back, he's got a home computer back in California. Right. So we're making contact with our office in California that covers that area, uh-huh. getting search warrants or whatever documentation we needed to get into that. Uh, we're getting into his computer, 
uh, Casey, again, just a very, uh, uh, just a great girl. And yeah. it sounds like a pretty smart girl, but again, a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. She had given him his pa- her passwords. Oh, okay. And so he had her information on his computer. I was wondering how he got like her like address and everything to, to uh, did she freely give that out to him? Well, we don't know, but I think so. Okay. okay. He actually, in fact, I'm, I'm almost positive because he had a, he had a hand drawn map to her place. Gotcha. I, but I believe that she really thought she was talking to a 17 year old boy. Absolutely. Yeah. He was, he was, he was slick. He was able to manipulate her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also was able to go on. We think he probably had communications with her friends as if he was her really and uh so we had we had probably at one time i think there were probably 20 different females that we had pictures of from his computers that Holy we had to cow. that we had to identify uh some of them were, were girls out in the greenbrier area really? that they had not provided their information you know it, it had kind of come through cases mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. cases computer but uh part of the parts that really uh just the more i processed the the, the more it kind of frightened me was we found three different girls, one in Pennsylvania, one in Michigan, and one in Texas mm-hmm. that he had contact with. And the girl in Texas, he had sent flowers to her home. Oh, that is creepy. So, absolutely. And and, and fortunately, her dad, and I, I never talked to the girl, I talked to her dad. Mm-hmm. Her dad comes home one day and sees the flowers. Where did those come from? Right. Oh, David in California. And of course, he lost went, it. He yeah. lost it. Uh. But put that relationship to the stop. The girl in Michigan, he had numerous times offered a flyer to California. I can get you tickets once you come out and then and, and gone to the point of trying to make recommend, uh, uh, accommodations to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And to, to the girl's credit, every time he would start that down that path, she'd kind of she'd kind of back off. Yeah. The girl in Pennsylvania, I think he was starting down that path, but Got, had not gotten as mm-hmm. far. Uh, but the, the I guess the one of the few positive sides of this is when we finish this up, there's no indication there were ever any other victims. Do you think, I know it's it's kind of, prob- I mean, hard to tell, I mean, motivation and stuff was now, I mean, since he's deceased, but do you think his intent was to abduct and kill her or just to, you know, torture? I mean, what, what do you think his intentions were? I think he's absolutely, that was his intent from the start. And if you don't mind me flipping over some notes, I've got a couple of things in my yeah, timeline. Yeah, I'm yeah, make yeah, sure yeah I hit absolutely, right. absolutely. So we get into his records. We find out, and, and this, I mean, this in no way mitigates his evil actions. I know, I mean, no. But, you know, as, as investigators, we need, we owe ourselves to be objective and try to look at what are the stressors are going on in a person's life. Right. And there were, there were several things mm-hmm. that were, was going on in his life. Uh, let's see. He had been married one time. I thought they, I think they were married 12 years, 16 mm-hmm. years, something mm-hmm. on those lines. Uh, there, and I'm trying to find this, Caitlin, so I don't tell you the, the wrong dates. But around August or September, uh, he and his wife separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in somewhere in that time frame, he's investigated for taking a shower with his seven-year-old daughter. Oh he uh, goes to their house after after the incident with the daughter. He goes to the house, confronts the wife. That turns into a domestic. Mm-hmm. He's arrested. Uh, there's child pornography that's found on his own work computers where he works, but they can't put it on him. Or right. I shouldn't say that. They can't attribute it to him because it's an open computer. Right. But they were able to... Uh, find out where uh, uh, before Kayla is abducted, somebody a, com- a coworker comes in on and it's a Sunday or Saturday. It's a time when Fuller shouldn't have been there, right? And he was in the office on the computer, mm-hmm. and they got that chat. It, while it wasn't a pornographic chat, it was a chat with with a minor, and so they had just terminated his employment for this. So there's a lot of these different things that's kind of going on in his life, right? Uh, but the, uh, the other things to his planning, he makes 
two trips to Arkansas before he abducts her. Mm-hmm. He comes in October. Uh, you know, we don't really know what happens in that trip. Right. He comes in November. He uh, rents the mini storage unit mm-hmm. during that trip. Mm-hmm. I, I personally believe he was going to try to grab her in, in, in November, November, and mm-hmm. it just didn't present itself. One of the things that he had done, and, and he had uh, bought a garden hose and put a rag around the end of it so he could stick an exhaust pipe and vent the exhaust outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, he buys that in November. Uh, he goes back to California, purchases the gun, uh, purchases items that he used to, to maintain control over Casey. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of preparation and planning in it. Uh, no doubt in my mind that he intended to kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess, and again, none of this, we have no way of knowing this, but the investigators, you know, we all talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is in December. You know, It gets dark about 5 o'clock in yeah, the afternoon. Yeah. The van's running. Uh, he had already killed her by this point in time. Yeah. I think he was just waiting for it to get dark enough to leave. Really? I, uh, you know, again, you know, it's all speculation at this point. You, so you, you don't think his his end goal was to kill her and then kill himself? You no, think he was going to try to get away? I absolutely believe he was. Hmm. I mean, he, he left, and he was kind of a methodical. I don't I don't have the pictures to show me, but uh, I don't know what we think about with these these killers like right. this, but his he was extremely organized. Really? His his His... I don't pack as neatly as he did, and, and, and I'm a military <laughs> yeah, guy, you know. So, neat guy. so he, I mean, his his, his, his uh, suitcase, everything was lined out. I mean, just a very organized. Even you know the items on the sink, you know, his toothbrush. I can remember seeing the picture of his toothbrush and his toothpaste, and everything's kind of sorted out. Not to me, not the actions of a guy that's going to go kill himself. Right. I mean, I, I think he, I think he expected to get away. Hmm. Um. So, uh, what? We kind of just talked about some of these, but what are some unanswered questions that you have? Are there are there any? I don't know what they would be. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could we could speculate all day about you right. know what makes a person do this. And I uh, was in a behavioral science class one time with uh, with an agent, and, and I remember you know he's talking about things like this, mm-hmm. and one of the other students you know says, "Well, I don't know how I can ever make myself think like that." And his response was, you should never think like that. Yeah. That's not the actions of a normal person. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I don't, I guess at this time in my career, I don't spend a lot of time trying to analyze why people, was, sometimes people do bad people things. People are just bad people. Some, Some people, people are just bad, bad people, and it's yeah. our job to catch them. So um, what, uh, kind of going into more of Casey here, what, what did and does Casey mean to you? Her case, her as a person, what does that mean to you? Part of it, I guess, really just reemphasized my role, not me as an individual, but as a special agent, right. my, my role as a protector. Right. Uh, I mean, there are people that are looking at looking to victimize people. Yeah. 12, year old, 12 years old, you know, I, it's been a lot longer for me than you since I was 12 years old, but I remember <laughs> thinking I kind of knew a lot back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and just realizing how innocent yeah. people really are. Yeah. And, you know, again, uh, Casey had a good family life. Ricky, Rick, excuse me, had mm-hmm. done the... Uh, the right sort of things. Right. I mean, the computer was in an open place, mm-hmm. and, and and but there's there's people that just pray, yeah. you know. And so I look at Casey as a as a victim. This case at the time, or so I was told by mm-hmm. our FBI headquarters, that this was the first case, and for a long time the only case of someone meeting someone completely by the internet and ending up in their murder. Mm-hmm. Now I know they've had some of those Craigslist cases and stuff yeah, since yeah. then, but this was uh, such a a big thing. And, and and you know that area. I mean, it's a very extremely rural area. And mm-hmm. you've got this guy from a large city in California ends up taking this girl. Mm-hmm. We we were called upon to we traveled all over the country doing case presentations. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it was it was just a it was really something none of us had seen before. Right. Um, 
so what kind of again on the same same vein how has this changed you said it made you a little more cynical maybe i wouldn't say grown up a little bit because you're clearly already grown up <laughs> but but i mean what well, how else well i mean and, and it, it, hopefully it matured me as an investigator I mean, right. we, we learned a lot of things through that uh there were uh really just made me realize the brotherhood of law enforcement a lot oh more yeah because these are all guys that again particularly the conway pd guys that didn't really have i don't say jurisdiction but didn't really have ownership in the case but, right but they knew their partners were out there and needed help right and and they and it wasn't they didn't wait they didn't ask permission they didn't wait for somebody to call them. they just went out and did stuff yeah but all the time we're getting calls yeah hey i'm doing this does this sound right? yeah, man go for it it's great yeah all hands uh, on deck here yeah and so and so and that was actually one of the lessons that we that we try to teach everybody is that when you have one of these situations where it's it's pretty obviously that it's more than just a runaway that that you need to get all the resources you got and if you end up with 50 people out there and, and that's 25 too much send 25 home yeah but red, and, and so that's actually kind of now what we do again with the with the telephones and the internet it's mm-hmm. come a long ways and yeah. there's a lot of this stuff that's happening i can't tell you how often our agents may never leave the recliner on the weekend mm-hmm. and you're and you're steadily working yeah. working things like this yeah. because because you're which, which is good you're I mean. still connected yeah but we it, it taught us or taught me just the uh the need to, to get everybody involved and get there fast and, mm-hmm. and uh, my my persona I, I don't get ramped up real fast i'm kind of a i'd like to think kind of a, you know easy going mm-hmm. guy but this is one of those that no you ramp up right right and then you tone back down if you need to yeah so um talking about technology and stuff how do you think the advancement of technology i mean we have computers uh, i mean i have basically two in front of me right now right i mean so how what has that changed things for for other cases like i mean we talk about like craigslist killers and stuff like that but i mean the technology how is that oh i mean absolutely i don't know and i'm looking around some of my co-workers in the room i don't know if anything we do that there's not a Mm-hmm. That thing in your hand right mm-hmm. there. Every single case, there's one. Really um, helps us sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it hurts us. Yeah, uh, I think it makes people uh, easier to be victimized. Yeah. Uh, that just this weekend, uh, and I don't want to say the city, but it was Sunday morning, I get a call from a department in Arkansas mm-hmm. that a uh, lady's 15 year old daughter is missing, mm-hmm. and she reports it. She puts it on social media because she's looking for friends to help. Right. And somebody, and we don't know where, somebody immediately picks that up and starts extorting the individual as if it's a blackmail. I mean, a, a, a kidnapping. Right. Doing a ransom deal. And the department calls me. I contact, in fact, I, I contact one of the individuals in the room who's, who was working on Sunday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And within 10 minutes, he's saying, oh, yeah, not only is he doing it here, he's doing that to somebody in another state. Like, so, like there's just bad people out there. It, it is. And yeah. so I, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge fan of technology. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's some good things, but there's a lot of bad also. Yeah. Um, so do you still, like, stay in contact with uh, Mr. Woody, Officer Woody, or any of the other? I mean, I know you said you still work with some of the other investigators. Actually, I'm the only. It hit me when it was, I was preparing for this. I'm the only one still working. Are you really? Everybody else is much smarter than me, I guess. <laughs> Retired? <laughs> uh, uh, the, the 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 deputy or excuse me the uh, well Carl Bird mm-hmm, the investigator mm-hmm. he and I are still good friends oh, yeah. we we talk some we you know he, he's retired we'll kind of cross paths occasionally mm-hmm, the Conway PD uh, I, I can't remember if he was a detective or sergeant at the time he ended up retiring as lieutenant he and I still Facebook you know we'll, yeah, we'll still talk yeah. some uh, Jim Woolley unfortunately died in a very tragic accident mm. just a, probably a couple years after this happened. Uh, 
but you know, the rest of us, we still, we still have contacts. So. Yeah. What, what about you? Are you uh, any plans to retire soon? You've got quite the 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 land to take care of. Which is what is slowing my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got a. I'm I'm facing mandatory retirement. We have a fairly early retirement age. Oh, really? And uh, so I'm I'm kind of got my eyes on something, but I'm not sure I want to work real hard. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what advice uh, if you could give to someone? This is talking about like going into careers. What advice would you give to someone thinking about a career in law enforcement, investigation, FBI, anything? Well, with current circumstances, you couldn't pick a worse time to ask me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, as you know, I have a son in law enforcement. Yes, yes. Um, I, I don't mean to sound corny or cheesy. I absolutely do believe it's a noble calling. Yeah, oh yeah. I believe it's yeah. a calling, I, and I believe it was something I was supposed to do. Yeah. And so, from that standpoint, and the guys I get to work, guys and guys, ladies, men and women that I work with, mm-hmm. not a better bunch of people anywhere. Yeah. So I'm absolutely proud of that, and I still believe. Uh, law enforcement is a noble calling. Yeah. It's just a very difficult time for for, very, very, for yeah. uniformed officers. Yeah. And I would have, I would, if I had someone that was approaching me, I, I might try to talk about it. Really? And, and I hate to say that. And I, I think, you know, if you go back and look at our history, my understanding is I think probably in the late 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. particularly after Vietnam, right. there was an anti-law enforcement sentiment. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that this will ebb and flow and, right. and it'll, it'll, it'll come back around. But it's, it's a real tough time to to recommend somebody for local law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely understandable, especially in with the the demands of the job as well, on top of the social reform and everything going on right now. That's, I mean, just everyday stuff, having to deal with jerk people, just just being jerks, you know? It is, but, you know, and, and I mean, you're in healthcare. Yeah. You, know, you, see, you see that too. <laughs> you see every, you see all everybody. There is nobody. Yeah, there's, yeah. But, but I do believe, you know, if, if, you know my faith, and, yeah. and and I believe that we are called to do something. Right. And whatever it calling is, you know, I believe that we need to serve it. Yeah. And and so I, that's just I, I would just I guess if I was talking to someone that was interested, first of all, I had a I had a conversation with a coworker just before lunch. We mm-hmm. were in, who's has got a son. He was kind of thinking on that, and, and his idea was, you know, what I would recommend him do is maybe do a little bit and then go to federal law enforcement. Okay. And there, there are a lot of advantages. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the pay is better. Some of the benefits are better. It's right. different types of work. Yeah. And, you know, right now, we're not the ones that's getting rocks and yeah. stones and bricks yeah. thrown us. Uh, I don't know that I would ever try to talk anybody out of going to law enforcement, but I would, I would just want them to be very introspective and make sure you know Strongly what you're getting advise. into. Look within. Um, so what, uh, what is, what's kind of the glimpse of wisdom we can, we can glean from, from this case? What can we learn? We've got some notes passing over here. I was trying to figure out a way to stall there. A couple things. uh, And and one, you know, going back to Casey. And Mm -hmm. and again, some of the stories, we talked to her friends. Yeah. uh, She, again, was just a kind-hearted person. And I encourage people to search, you know, try to be that sort of person. Mm -hmm. One of the stories that we were told, and and I don't remember all the instances, but there was a, a, and I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but it was a student at, at her school it was being bullied. Yeah. And I don't even remember what the reason for the bullying was, mm-hmm. but this particular student uh, was getting bullied. Casey intervened, and and then when we talked to the student, you know, he or she, I, I don't remember, you know, made a comment. That's the only friend I ever have. Oh. So so what what a legacy to leave to people is that yeah. that, that you care for people that you do those sort of things. Um, as a parent, uh, or or I mean, any internet user, user, 
uh, be super, super cautious. You can go to the FBI has a website, www.fbi.gov, mm-hmm. that you can go to, and there's resources about, about computer safety and mm-hmm. sorts mm-hmm. of things. To parents, um, and I know, some, you know, being parents tough. You can't always be the good guy yeah. or the fr- or the friendly guy. Right. And if 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 your child you think may be getting exposed to something, intervene. Yeah, be the bad guy. If that's what it takes. But mm-hmm. but look out to protect our kids because. Unfortunately, there evil people exist, and bad yeah. things happen. Bad guys out there. So, what uh, what what can we tell our listeners to do to help support Casey's legacy? What what do you think that could be? Well, and I think I'd probably really tie that to the last question. Yeah, also, yeah. you know, just be on alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want. I mean, we don't want people being paranoid. But one of the law enforcement terms we use is you keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of, just kind of be watching for things that are going out there and particularly uh and again i feel like i'm kind of speaking to the parents most when you've got those kids <laughs> you know we have to we have to protect them yeah but even besides that you know your friends look at because we all know people that can and probably ourselves sometimes can kind of get into a situation not maybe really know what all's going on right. and not seeing it so have some of your close to if you see some if you see something that doesn't sound right yeah you know they one of the expressions people talk about is trust your gut mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I do believe that Absolutely. if something looks right ask the or doesn't look right ask the question make the person because sometimes people just don't think i get calls from from people uh, and it won't be quite as serious about this nature but i got a call the other day from a friend who, you know the, these people but <laughs> they're uh, uh there are they're, they're my age mm-hmm. and the lady was wanting to sell something mm-hmm. an item and all of us i could tell you two sentences and everyone say that's a nigerian scam which is what it was. Mm-hmm. But this person, again, very educated, but being somewhat naive, was really concerned about investing money in something. Mm-hmm. So, again, that situation, something like that, and she's a, she's a very smart lady. She just, just hadn't seen some of the experiences. Right. And we told her real quick, don't do that. That's, right. That, you know, that, that, that's, that's not right. And, of course, it, you know, we were correct. In this yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, I think if we can just kind of look out for each other and, yeah. and, and kind of be civil and, and – Sometimes, you know, we don't want to get involved because we don't want to alienate people, but mm-hmm. uh, I think their safety is more important than hurting our feelings sometimes. Absolutely, and sometimes that means being the bad guy, but, I mean, at least you're keeping your loved one safe, yeah. Let's say being the tough guy, not the bad guy. <laughs> okay, that? yeah, yeah, that, that's better. All right, is there anything else that you would like to talk to us about, about any of this? I don't think so. Uh, uh, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you. Yes, thank you going so much. This. Absolutely, uh, we appreciate you. Well, and my daughter-in-law is looking forward to hearing this. Too. Oh. She's a, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it was a—I hate to say—a good case because of the, obviously the ending, right? But it was a very, very uh, educational case, and, it, and it's a small world. You started to ask something a while ago, and I can't remember if I told you this. I apologize if uh-huh. I'm repeating. Rick Woody and I did an arrest together about a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah, just, so he's still he's still at it. He is, and Man. we just had a situation that we crossed paths, and and so, you know, the, it's. Arkansas is a small state. It really it's is. It's a small world. Absolutely. So whatever I think we can do to help look out for each other. Absolutely. It's a good it. It's a good place. We love it. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, uh, th- guys, you can check us out uh, Facebook, Paint the Town Dead. You can check us out on Twitter, PTTD Pod. You can check us out on Instagram, Paint the Town Dead, all one word. And, of course, feel free to email us at pttdpod at gmail.com. Uh, episodes every Tuesday. Uh, we'll make a post about this um, along with all of our other cases we, we make posts about. Um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, and again, Mr. Jerry, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for doing this with us. And thank you for what you do. Um, and thank you 
for allowing us to learn along with you from this case. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for the kind words, Caitlin. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you next week on another episode. Bye-bye.